Hello and welcome to In A Different League, the official podcast of the original fantasy football game. We're your hosts, me, Chris Pilau. And for a Christmas treat, me, Neil Mansfield. And here's what's coming up this week. The busy, festive period is well underway. We try and keep up with the action by reacting to what's happened so far and looking forward to the final few fixtures of 2023. The IADL podcast studio is bursting at the seams with not one, not two, but five special guests from the Jeffrey Boycott Corridor of Uncertainty League. And guess what? It's a dynasty league. And finally, we'll dot a few I's and cross a few T's with some head office chat, top transfers, team of the week, a manual assist or two. And that's what puts us in a different league. Okay, so here we are, Neil. Somewhere in this fest, in the caught up in the middle of this festive period, it's the 28th. It's coming out on the 28th today, but we're kind of in the middle of Christmas football fantasy league land. No one really knows where or who they are. But how are you? I'm all right. Yeah, I'm. 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 I'm good. It's. It's been. Christmas is nuts. It. It just never seems to stop. Sort of the footballing fixtures as they come in. So uh, yeah, um, I'm quite looking forward to Friday, which is a day off. A day off before the football kicks off again on Saturday. Before absolute madness on Saturday, yeah, and then uh, and then of course the FA Cup as well, which is generally one of the one of the busiest weekends, uh, just because of the number of potential manual assists. But uh, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. 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 Christmas good. Christmas was good. So Jesse is not here this week. Although we we did we did go, give that away in the intro, I suppose. But Jesse is not. Uh, with us this week and not just because Jesse isn't performing very well in the George Borough Wednesday League but Neil you're with us here and it's great to have you here Um, and yes my Christmas was great I think Jesse's Christmas was great but Jesse finds herself not doing so well in Fantasy League you've got the stats in front of you Jesse told us that they dropped down to fourth or but I think it's worse right now Jesse has dropped to fifth oh dear oh dear Jesse no wonder you're not here. It was quite a low-scoring week, I think, before Christmas. And like I said, we're in the middle of, middle of everywhere right now. Uh, we're currently in the middle of game week 19, so we won't really speak too much about game week 18. But my score was quite low before Christmas. I've got a five. Um, I know that you've got quite a low score. But then it's kind of picking up now. I'm into the double points for the, for, for the games this week. But it, it seems like Jesse is continuing the, the, the trend and not doing so well into game week 19 either. Yes, it, it looks like Jesse's... 20 points-ish off the lead now. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, in terms of, you know, the week before Christmas, I think generally it was a pretty low-scoring week. I think sort of single figures were kind of where it sort of it landed. I think I got four or five. But pushing into this sort of double game week now, yeah, I think I'm up to about 11. I think I'm doing okay. But in my usual sort of transfer um, fun and games that I'm having, I think I've made another three or four this week already. So um, we shall see where we end up going. But yeah, much, much better scoring week for me. How about yourself? Yeah, same for me. Double points so far uh, with a couple of games to go later this evening. Um, I'm on 15. I got the majority of them last night, actually. I got 13 points in one night, which was brilliant. And yeah, low points for me, like I said, five before Christmas. But if we just to quickly touch on that again, obviously the big news in the Garrett Lane Wines Fantasy League for any, anyone and everyone who's interested yes. is that we got the sack where the, the sacking happened, the Christmas sacking. So it all went down uh, to the wire to the final day where Reese, our champion from last season, was trailing. He needed to do better than Woody, who was a, um, a place above him in the league. And Woody got zero points. Oh. And Reese was the second best performer that week. He really did leave it right to the final moment. And so Woody, Andy Wood, who was, you know, gentleman of the league. One of the nicest, most politest people there. It, it really actually was quite sad to sack him on Christmas Eve. Um, a lot of people were devastated. None, my, none more than him. Uh, and he's gone. He's immediately been replaced. And he's been replaced by a newbie. So he's been replaced by someone who's never played Fantasy League before. And you know what they say, Neil? It's a bit like Christmas. You know, if you've got kids around you at Christmas, it's kind of like it, it, it makes... Christmas so special again, it brings the magic back of Christmas. And we've almost got that now in the GLWFL because we've got a new guy who's coming in. He's learning about super subs. He's learning about manual assists. 
you know, he's learning about, oh, hang on, you know, maybe defenders, goalkeepers, not quite as important in this version of the game. And it's great to have someone, the new generation coming through, new talent playing in this league, but he's struggling. He, he's bottom of the league for a reason. And he's going to have to perform a bit of a miracle if he's if he's going to uh, try and work himself up the the league. But but it's been exciting on the, in the GLWFL. Fantastic. Does, does does the newbie get any additional funding in your league? How does it work? Does he no does he get any additional bonus cash? We considered it. Um, we we it's something that we'll consider maybe kind of if the gap was so big. But because the gap ended up being about five points, five six points, you know that's. You can make that up. I mean, you just only need to look at Jesse. Jesse's now 20 points behind in, in the space of a couple of weeks. You know, five points is nothing, really. I think we'll consider it in the future if that the 10th place um, team is so far behind. But no, Tom comes in. And anyway, you know, he's the second richest um, player in the league, any, manager in the league anyway. I don't know what Woody was doing. He had loads of money, just didn't spend it. By the way, you know, and, and Tom's working through the, the fixtures as we went through, been going through this week doesn't have any Man City players. That's almost criminal to not have a Man City player in your squad. So no, Tom will have money to spend and our next window is in January. And we'll see, the, the vultures are circling a bit, you know, kind of everyone trying to take advantage and trying to, oh, you know, I'll, I'll help you out, Tom. And, you know, maybe trying to, a, a few sort of dodgy private deals in the background. But we'll see you, how he goes. Brilliant. Do you do loan deals? Can you get a sneaky loan deal from another player? Can we we do of... loan deals. Yeah, we do loan deals. We do swaps. Yeah. A- anything anything can happen next week in the, in the transfer window and, and we'll have to see how he gets on. So I guess the next big thing then for your league is the, is the transfer window and all the potential changes coming up for that. Exactly, exactly. But, uh, but first, his, his priority is to try and get some points on board. He's currently on zero. Uh, in this game week so it's one step at a time for Neville Wears Prada the team that Tom has taken over in our league and we'll find out he get, how he gets on obviously there's still some December points available um, a couple of fixtures tonight and the game week coming up we've got six six fixture time slots coming up from Saturday uh, where Tom and everyone else can can get hold of points that takes us through into January like you said it's going to be a double game week and it kicks off with Luton against Chelsea this Saturday so if you're Doing your, your transfers or your super subs, we'll we'll go through the the six time slots fixtures now. And Luton against Chelsea is is an exciting, intriguing one to kick off with, I think, because you kind of got the most predictable in that Luton are actually very good at home against the most unpredictable team in the league in Chelsea, or one of the most unpredictable teams. It makes it look like Luton probably will beat Chelsea, which means that they won't. But but I don't know. I, I'm really quite interested by this game. I'm loving Luton at the moment. I really am. You know, I'd never thought I'd sort of follow a team as much as Luton, but I love the way they play. You know, I guess it backs against the wall a little bit at the moment, you know, with everything that's happened to Lockyer. Love the football they play. And of course, you know, going up to Luton, you know, small ground, amazing atmosphere. Um, I think they chance of turning Chelsea over I really do they won two on the bounce nine goals in their last five games exactly Chelsea struggling a little bit I know they picked out you know a couple of results recently um you know Cuckoo coming back as well but um no I, I'm definitely if you if you had to push me I think I'd definitely go down the Luton route here definitely and there are a few you know talk boxing day sales well you know, there could be people in the market, like you say, in Kunku. Well, maybe they already had in Kunku, but th- those players that I um, mentioned in previous weeks almost sort of ridiculed at first, saying, oh, th- you know, don't go for these. But actually, they're turning into the real sort of creative stars for Luton in, in Ross Barkley and Andros Townsend. Um, so we'll see how many people start to pick up them. I mean, Ross Barkley especially, he might be looking to do something against his former club, of course. And Christopher and Kunku, if we're kind of doing the Christmas, you know, relating it to Christmas, it's perhaps not quite Boxing Day sales, but maybe it's sort of like that Christmas present that you knew was coming. I mean, we know that was the case with Jesse. Jesse celebrated in our WhatsApp yep. group when, when Nkunku finally got his first goal um, in his first game back for Chelsea. But all of those people who had, those managers who kept hold of Christopher and Kunku now the opportunity to see what he might bring to Chelsea. Oh, indeed, indeed. Well, we can cover off the ins and outs uh, later on. So I'll, I'll possibly dip into a few surprises that have appeared this week. But um, we'll pick those up later on. But uh, absolutely, I think 
I think most people probably would have held on to and can go. I don't. I'm not entirely sure, but I think I think if you look around, I think again it depends really on the size of your league, doesn't it? Really, but I think if you're looking at sort of the average, which is sort of nine or tens, I think there are plenty of surprises from a Chelsea point of view still to pick up. You've got Fernando Fernandez is 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 still out, I think. So whether or not he'll be back, uh, Enzo. So uh, we'll see where that one goes, but. Um, yeah, I think my money is 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 definitely firmly in the pocket of, of Luton Town for me. Yeah, and on that, Madweke scored this week, so there'll be lots of people who've got their weekly transfer windows who will just suddenly just uh, who'll snap him up. That kind of tends to be the <laughs> the way it goes. Um, uh, before we move on as well on, on Luton, it's kind of a, a bit of a theme that we can move into some of the other fixtures that we're going to discuss. But it's also how far you go with a team like Luton. I mean, Luton have been playing very well at home, but they do concede a lot of goals at home as well. Um, so perhaps you wouldn't do this, but Alfie Doughty, you know, he's a defender, but he creates a lot of chances. He's picked up three assists so far. He's getting a lot of praise in the FPL world, but we know that defenders are a bit different here because you kind of really need them to get clean sheets, assists and goals. In fact, you only need them to get clean sheets, assists and goals. But it's now the beginning, and we can look ahead to the three o'clock games as well, where there's an element of this as well, of... Do you start looking for defenders in some of these other teams that we absolutely said not to go for at all at the start of the season when we started making this podcast? You know, stay clear of Sheffield United, stay clear of Luton. But there are some three o'clock games as well. Sheffield United are playing. Wolves, Everton are playing. You know, is it the time to start turning to these defenders now? There are no Everton defenders in, in my league, but... You know, Sean Dyche knows what he's doing and, and maybe maybe that is where you're going to make the difference. Do you go for a Mikalenko? Do you go for a Tarkovsky? Do you go for an Alfie Doughty, really push the boat and, and, and try and go for one of them, especially if you've got weekly transfers? I, yeah, it's a really good, really good question. I mean, I must confess um, in my ever-changing goalkeeping world... Um, for the last three weeks, I've had uh, I've had Pickford in. You know, Everton tend to keep an awful lot of... Well, they, they have done this season. I think they were the fourth best defensive record. So I think you'd be nuts not to start looking at certainly a few Everton players. I'm not sure whether I'd go down far down the list as Luton. As you said, they do, mm-hmm. they do concede quite a few. But absolutely, there's some real high-scoring... You know Evertonians in that uh, in the stats uh, list for players, so I probably would. Well, in fact, I already have with Pickford. Um, I think the other inside track, which we might touch on later on, are some you know some Villa defenders potentially, and I know probably a lot of people have got those, but there are some players coming back in. Moreno's just sort of found his uh, his fitness again after being out for most of the season. I'm not sure you'd probably classify him as a lower a lower division team necessarily, but uh, I think there are some definite sort of bargains to be had. I don't know any other teams spring to mind for you? No, but on that point with Moreno, Moreno's interesting because, you know, Emery, he's got, when, when you play this game, you kind of pick up the patterns of what managers do. And we made the point about is the Zinchenko effect, right? The Zinchenko yeah. effect being, you know, Zinchenko plays and then comes off in the 72nd minute, doesn't get his clean sheet point um, and always gets replaced by, you know, whoever it may be. And that's what's happening with Villa now. Alex Moreno is back. Luca Dean tends to start, but Luca Dean never really makes it through an entire 90 for Villa. And again, Emery will take him off in the 72nd, 73rd, 74th minute, which is an absolute nightmare if you're a fantasy league manager. Having said that, that's if they're going to pick up the clean sheet. But of course, the clean sheet is only a clean sheet as long as that player is playing. So, you know, if Villa are going to concede a couple of late goals, it doesn't matter. If you're a Luca Dean owner and Luca Dean plays until the 76th and then comes off and then they concede then you're brilliant. You've got the clean sheet with it. Someone else does. But Mourinho, will be, you know, I, I, he is frustrating the owner in our league because he doesn't start. He comes on, not enough time to do something. And obviously then you're at risk of not even getting the 45-minute appearance point and then uh, and then getting minus points. So he's he's kind of a bit of an issue at the moment. And Emery tends to rotate a lot as well. And then, of course, the 5.30, uh, Nottingham Forest against Manchester United. Neil, what are these clubs? I don't, you know, it's a bit unfair. <laughs> Nottingham Forest are obviously about to, you know, there could be a bit of a change. If you if you own Nottingham Forest players, then you're kind of waiting to see, right, who does Nuno, Nuno fancy? Who doesn't he? What's he able to do here? Is there going to be a new manager bounce? We obviously see that it looks like Elanga and Chris Wood are the main people at Nottingham Forest. If they don't exist in your league, and by the way, they don't exist in mine, then expect them to go a lot for a, money, for a lot of money soon. 
But interestingly, with Man United, it's kind of, okay, who are the stars looking to be? Are, are they turning this corner? We don't quite know. But Garnacho seems to be the main man in a way that a lot of people, aka me, spent a lot of money on the likes of Bruno Fernandes. Others might have on Marcus Rashford. It's not your typical big money players who are performing for Man United and therefore, you know, do you start looking elsewhere? Yeah, well, I think I'm going to sort of um, highlight my transfer activity this week and that's already brought in uh, Chris Wood. Bit of a bit of an early one there. I, I, I absolutely think Alangra and Wood are the way forward for Forrest. I think we'll see an awful lot of transfers of Wood over the forthcoming weeks and I think that would be an absolute, should be an absolute priority for anyone that hasn't got him or for anyone that's sort of, uh, you know, is looking at their free agents and finds Chris Wood there. Although with his hat-trick last week, I would imagine he's going to be top of the transfer activity over the next fortnight or so. And I don't know, I think Forrest will start pulling things together a little bit. I feel that they probably needed a bit of stability, a manager with perhaps not so much more experience, but, you know, I don't know, a, a more sort of, I don't know, logical approach to a, a team, less less sort of changes on a weekly basis and, and, and a real structure. So I think I think Alanga and Wood is definitely you know the way that uh, we'll see Forest move forward. I don't I don't see them being down in the relegation zone particularly long, um, and I think Wood will really begin to pull them out. I think he's a terrific striker um, for United. Yeah, I think well you've you've got to really look at uh, you know look at the younger players. Look at look at Garnacho. I still I'm not I don't want to I don't really want to take over your ranting opportunity here, Chris. If I'm perfectly honest, but. I would I would rant a lot about United. Are they are they there? Are they over that sort of that hurdle? A terrific comeback this week, you know. Um, does that mean that they they turned a corner? How many corners have they turned already this season? And uh, and found it's it's not the right corner they wanted to go around, and they've sort of you know struggled yet again. I don't know. Perhaps there are other players to look at within the United team that could uh, could potentially offer some opportunity. I, I think I think maybe it's a change of approach. And, and if you've not already done it, Man United defenders. Uh, we've spoken a bit about defenders so far in this episode, but it's kind of it's worth having a couple of United players in attack in midfield or, or or up front as a forward in your squad who might pick up points. But if you've got the defender, or if you've got an honor, then it's gonna it's gonna jeopardize your. Your squad and your points tally every other week is the way that it's been going. That's the consistency has been that every other week you're going to get minus points for United, and then the other week you're probably going to get a couple of, you know, positive points from whoever it may be. If you want a rant, Neil, by the way, Steve Cooper is a very good manager. I'm absolutely desperate for him to take over from Roy Hodgson at Crystal Palace. Uh, I think he's a very structured manager. He know, he works with the young players. Uh, he could get the best out of you know Eze and. At least, and all the even the newer the, the the newer players we haven't even seen hit the first team at Crystal Palace. I think it's good that he's left Forest so that he can potentially join Crystal Palace. Is what I may say. <laughs> I'll leave the ranting to you. I'll leave the ranting to you, Chris. I'll pick your team for later on. Maybe Newcastle. <laughs> but no. Yeah, uh, and and yeah, a quickly on Chris Wood. Let's just see how much. Let us know how much money will Chris Wood go for in your league, and then and then after that, how many points will he not score because he's maybe got it all in one go. Okay, and then obviously there's Fulham against Arsenal, Neil. Um, you know, we don't need to talk in detail about every single fixture. It feel, feels weird to just gloss over a title contender in Arsenal. What I will say about Arsenal is that Declan Rice is looking more and more important. And he's almost, we spoke about Rodri in previous weeks, how if Rodri suddenly gets injured, is that a disaster if you own Man City defenders? I mean, Man City concede anyway all the time. But, you know, does the team fall apart without Rodri? And, and it's looking like the team, Arsenal's team would fall apart without Declan Rice. But he's still, Declan Rice is one of those ones that you're never really going to go for in fantasy league, are you? Not really, unless, unless you're picking up DMFs, you know, as an option potentially. But no, I, I'm, I'm not sure I would pick up a Rice myself either. Jesus coming back into a little bit of form. Um, and Ketty have been on the bench, you know, in recent weeks. So, um, yeah, I think they've got some options. I think they're doing okay. There's the Monday night fixture, but there's also a Tuesday night fixture. It was interesting because it will kind of like fall out of the league series head-to-head European fixture, sort of like sits on his own, West Ham against Brighton. But before that, it's Liverpool against Newcastle on Monday night. I mean, Newcastle's injuries kind of getting a bit boring talking about them all the time, but they really are seeming to affect them. You know, anyone who would have kind of doubled up or, or well, just taken any Newcastle defenders may be rethinking. I've got Nick Pope in goal, and I kind of don't mind that he's sat there injured at the moment without anyone to replace him. And they're up against Liverpool, who continue doing Liverpool things by just sort of 
being Liverpool. Don't need to go on about that again, do I? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I think from Newcastle point of view, they just look jaded. They just look shattered. The squad, the squad size is is a lot smaller. They've been struggling to sort of compete in Europe as well as in the Premier League. So I, I think this is a Liverpool banker. Uh, I really do. I think Liverpool are just grinding out. It's the old cliche, isn't it? They're just grinding out results somehow. So I think this will be a yeah, this will be a, a fairly wide margin. I suspect it won't be any of these four three classics we've seen in previous years. No, perhaps not. And then West Ham against Brighton to finish. Brighton are playing this evening, so maybe you're hearing this, and this is no longer the case. But they haven't kept a clean sheet all season. If anyone's got Brighton defenders out there, what are you doing? Uh, unless it's all about to change. Uh, and anything could happen in this game. West Ham coming off there. I mean, again, West Ham are also playing this evening, so we so we don't know. But you know, having beaten Man United, anything could happen in that game. And it's kind of almost characteristic of these teams where you know it's great if you've got a Bowen, you've got a Kudus, you've got a Pakitar, but you're steering clearer defenders from both of these teams because it's just so inconsistent from from both of them, isn't it? Absolutely. I, th- I think the big thing now to sort of consider um, coming into the end of these fixtures, and I think, you know, West Ham fans in particular are going to be disappointed with the Kudos disappearing to the, to the AFCON. And you've got an awful lot. You've got Salah Liverpool going as well. So I think it's, it's, it's the transfer strategy that will come into play for, uh, for many leagues over the next. But I think West Ham in particular are going are to seriously miss Kudos's sort of um, performances over recent weeks. Yeah, and half an eye, of course, on the January transfer window, which will have begun by the time this game week ends. And let's see who is coming into the Premier League. Indeed, it runs into a busy period. Transfers, you know, transfer window opens up, so we'll be adding lots of new players from uh, from January the 1st onwards. So let us know about your teams, how you're getting on, what you're doing, what you're not doing, how you're going to deal with this AFCON and Asia Cup problem which could be a problem to uh, to a lot of leagues you know where to find us by email podcast at fantasyleague.co.uk and on social media at fantasy league we'd love to know how you're getting on and otherwise we'll see you in part two right so in part two we usually like to have a guest on obviously we like to find out about all the different wonderful leagues that exist out there we made a shout out a few weeks ago and that was to find a dynasty league and well they listened and today as a special treat we've got not one not two not three not four i think there are five guests with us today all from the same league all from the jeffrey boycott corridor of uncertainty league chairman with us paul martin how are you, Paul? It's great that you're here. It's great that you responded. And who have you brought with you today? I'm well, thanks. Um, this is um, a league formed, we think, in 1991. I think we were founder members and we've been, been going strong ever since. Um, Martin and Brian were both early attendees to auctions and early managers. And they brought along their respective sons who, who now take part in our league. So it's kind of answers to two questions. We asked for a dynasty league and we'll find out about that a bit later and what a dynasty league is and why you've done it. We also asked for multi-generational league and here you are, you've responded. Welcome everyone. So thanks Paul and welcome Martin, Kieran, Brian, Ben to the podcast. Good morning. Welcome. So let's start on that. You are a dynasty league and, and I asked for this a few weeks ago. I asked for a league where you can retain players from season to season uh, which kind of makes it even closely related uh, to normal football, but also perhaps not not anything like normal football at the same time. And you've done it, but you've done it for a very specific reason. So why have you got this Dynasty League and how does that work? Well, I think that came about because our auctions were inordinately lengthy once we when we were um we've always been played by quite a number of managers i think the fewest managers we've had this has been 11 and we've been up to 16 so auctioning off 15 players for each manager turned into a multi-day event and that multi-day yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had one start we had one start sunday paul didn't we finish on tuesday <laughs> I think that was the Hackney Empire one. That was the Hackney Empire, yeah. It started in Hackney Empire, ended where? What does that mean? And how does it work? So you had to come back on the Monday and then come back again on the Tuesday. I think we just woke up in the same clothes and kept going, to be honest. There were also a few auctions that involved trips to hospital as well. And I think as we got older, our, our, our livers and bodies weren't capable of doing two-day events, never mind three-day events. So now we get it done in a day, but 
invariably it turns into a weekend away somewhere or at whoever's hosting. So it's a very sociable auction, to put it mildly. Are we going to gloss over trips to hospital or, or, or is that going to get <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's no need to talk about Pete's knee. Orgy and being locked in the pub overnight. Um... <laughs> so the solution, not to Pete's knee, but the solution to this problem was to uh, create a dynasty league. And that is to make sure there's not going to be as many bids to have to take place in an auction. Is that right? Yes, exactly right. Yes. Yeah. So we devised a rule by which we were able to retain three players from year to year, weren't allowed to retain your highest scorer and couldn't have any player from either the same team or in the same position. But it meant players were managers were coming to the auction with three players already in their team. So it certainly helped in terms of timing. And can't retain a player that you retained the previous season. Yeah. And another way we, we devised to speed it up, we have a draft pick from players who are with clubs that have just been promoted. So you, you, you pick off the uh, talent that's coming up from the championship with uh, the bottom feeder going first dibs. So uh, that's four rounds where there's no competitive bidding, which does save quite a few hours at the end of the day. Right, so you come in, you decide who you're going to keep, and there are certain rules on who you can't, can't keep. Then there's a draft round to get yourselves going, and then from that point... You fill in the gaps with everyone else and see yourself through to the rest of the night. Yeah, there, and there is a budget holdover as well. So you retain what you didn't spend the season before. So that means that there are some rich clubs out there, some poorer clubs out there. It, does, it still doesn't work. I mean, I spent a couple of seasons doing the minimum bid 100000 and I had so much money, it was unbelievable. I'd finished my bids before lunch. It never happened before. And Paul still beat me. <laughs> still came <laughs> second. <laughs> And and how so on this dynasty thing and the retaining of players? Obviously, you said that there's the added rule there where you can't retain a player two seasons in a row. But who have been sort of like the best players to take advantage of in it? Because obviously there are there are those rules that you put in. You can't keep your most expensive. It's not like whoever had Harlan last season can keep Harlan. Who have been sort of like the best and worst retained players over the years? Have been like oh you know it was great the year that whoever ended up being retained. I mean, I think my, my trick was to buy at least two multi-pointed players. So De Bruyne and Salah, say, knowing that you couldn't retain one, but you could always reta- you could retain the second. So if you bought two uh... high-priced players, two players that you knew were going to score good points, you'd, you'd keep one of them. Now he tells us. <laughs> well, exactly. I've been trying to figure out what he's been doing for all these years, and now he's told us. <laughs> we, need to share, we need to share this, Martin. That's OK. You've changed the rule now, so we can't keep two highest scoring players. So I've, so I've moved. <laughs> yeah, it became an issue. Someone like Paul, for example, that's won the league, I think it's three years on the spin now. He was keeping three players quite legitimately, you know, dynasty league, as you say. Those players had more points than the people that had come in the bottom three in the league. See what I mean? So he had like a massive advantage already. That's not his fault. That's the way the game works. But we have tweaked that a little bit, haven't we? Yeah, because one of the things we needed to do when Ben and Kieran and James, who's another son of a founding father, uh, were joining the league, they needed some incentivization. They were coming in with a standard budget. They didn't have players that they could retain from the previous season. So we needed to alter the rules in order to make it more attractive for them coming in and a bit more equal across the board. And that, that, yeah, we, We've begun that process. And the fact that my son has beaten me every year that he's been in the league shows how successful the equalisation process has been. We're going to go into the rules, but I'm glad you brought up the, the sons there. And you also, the founding fathers, you said with so much confidence. In, it makes me think, is that an official term, that, <laughs> how you describe yourselves? The founding fathers, I don't know what the sons are, but we'll hear from them. We've got two of them in this episode with us, um, and that's Ben and Kieran. Ben and Kieran, you know, I've just heard from, from your two dads and, and also from Paul speaking so passionately about this league and all the rules that they've made over time. Did you have any choice in joining this league? Did you want to join it? Are you happy to be in it? And what's it like playing in this league? Yeah, definitely. They made it look like quite a lot of fun over the years. So each year they'd all stock up their bags with as much alcohol as possible and then start on the Bloody Marys at like half nine in the morning, finish at midnight. No one can remember their last five picks. Didn't look <laughs> And you wanted a piece of the action. <laughs> Kieran, what about you? You're sat there with... Yeah, the yeah. exact same brilliancy and all of that. But for me, it was... Like, I'm in a different fancy league. But this one was like picking. And no one was allowed the same player as another manager. 
that was I thought was interesting, kind of putting my football knowledge. Clearly, I have none <laughs> being at the bottom of the table. But yeah, it's it's a good laugh. Um, you have a good day drinking, socialising, whatnot. But also having those individual players. That's is, that's, that's the best. Bit. You, you hear people in the league saying, "I've got Kane, I've got Salah," or "I've got Kane, I've got Salah." That doesn't happen yeah. in our league. You know, I just I, I can't handle those other leagues where everyone's got the same team. What what's the point? Yeah, absolutely. It's, I've got, to, I've got how many how many players or managers are in your league? Twelve at the moment, up to sixteen. I don't think we've had any any fewer than eleven. And I think when I wrote in to your colleague, I was saying what, what I do like about our league is that you do need a fairly full knowledge of Premier League players. We're not just talking about big six um, squads. You need to know who's, who's going to get any goals for Burnley. Do you know who's going to get the goals for Burnley? Paul? <laughs> I think every, I think you should write into Vincent Company. Maybe oh, J Rod. Do, do you have an induction session for any sort of new joiners? I mean, listening to your rules, they are complex but good I think you know they add quite a lot to the game so um excited to sort of tackle the rules on a sort of a I don't know there's a couple that sort of jump out at me you know that I wouldn't mind asking yeah, so for the, questions on for those who don't know and we'll, we'll look to distribute these as well but we got sent a four-page word document before this which is basically the rules that have been which are written in very sort of official fashion I hear that they were written by a lawyer and you can see sort of like the most recent amendments in red as well and we're not going to go through all of them I was going to say we're going to go through a few and we started writing a list between me and Neil and actually we've we, we pretty much written a, a star next to every single one, the ones that we find interesting. But why don't we start with when did you decide to do these rules? Who wrote them and why that's so important before we start tackling a few of them? Brian? WR King's Council will be uh, able to answer that, I think. <laughs> so uh, I wrote the rules. I am the boring lawyer who uh, finds great enjoyment in uh, drafting things. I think the first set of these rules were probably written about 15 years ago. Everybody knew at the outset what the rules were. Some people have been playing the game for 30 years, still don't know what the rules are, especially after initial few rounds of Bloody Marys, annual shit on the Villa song, the uh, various toasts that we started the auction with. But um, yeah, they're they're, they're lawyerly written because I'm a lawyer. Yeah, like I said, there's 32 and counting. If we start with it with, with with rule number seven, it's something that we do in our league. You you do have the opportunity to change the, the rules every year. So you kind of the first thing you do, you come in, you look through the rules, are we gonna change and amend? And it looks like, and from hearing um what we've discussed so far and by reading through them, that you, you have had tweaks over the years and you've added things and taken things away. Are uh, is are there any rules that are in contention you think that are that are looking to maybe change or go or, or to be added to? Um or does this look like a pretty concrete set of, of rules that we've got before us here. There's always a bit of a row about the transfer deadline. We follow the old transfer deadline, which is the end of March. So after the end of March, the 15 players you have in your squad, that's it. And also around that, we have a 20 change maximum. So effectively, your squad's actually 35 players, not 15. And mm. that's something I know one of the guys who actually left now, Shab, he, didn't, he was not one for that at all, was he? That's one that often comes up, that date and that amount of changes. He left because of the rules. Um, it's a young man's game, isn't it? It's a young man's game, though. <laughs> How do you change the rules? Is it sort of a, a unanimous vote? How does the, Is there a voting system? How does it work? If you look at uh, Rule 7, a rule may be changed in a vote of a simple majority of those in attendance. Any rule change shall take place forthwith. Read, read the small print, mate. Read the small print. <laughs> <laughs> if we look down to rule number 10, at the start of each auction, we've mentioned this one already, each existing member should be allocated a budget of £35 million, so you're operating with a £35 million budget. Any new member of the league will be allocated a budget of £42 million. In addition, each member shall be entitled to carry forward any money. So we've gone through that one. That was, was explained quite clearly. We've discussed the sort of retention rules as well. You can retain up to three players from the team where you finished the previous season, but not your two highest scorers. And we know how Paul gets around that. <laughs> and then, and this draft round, which we've also explained. So the first round of the auction, maybe we can go a bit more into detail of that. So how does that draft round work? Who comes in? Who gets the first pick? And do you have to actually take players from, from these promoted sides as well? Uh, no, you don't. But that, that does mean, of course, that you're going to have to spend money on someone else. So, we start with the new members. So anyone who's new to the league goes first in, in the draft pick. And then it's uh, reverse order. So whoever came bottom, uh, etc. So the, 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 the 
people who have finished higher in the league have got the at least choice in terms of the quality of the championship players coming up. Unless, of course, like Paul, you were a so-called lifelong Brentford fan and uh, knew the wheat from the chaff and knew the people who were sort of under the radar a little bit. Paul certainly benefited from his part-time support of Brentford over the years. <laughs> uh, rule number 19. During the course of the auction, the outgoing chairman or his proxy will conduct a trophy presentation ceremony. The previous holder of the trophy is responsible for ensuring that trophy is available at the auction to be presented. Tell us about your trophy, which I imagine is sitting proudly on Paul's uh, mantelpiece or wherever. There's lots of stories about trophies. Have we got them all? No, no. <laughs> is this a trophy you've made yourselves or is this the um, the trophy medal that comes with the... No, uh, we we have a number of different competitions. The league, the league winner has traditionally been presented with a Panama hat, and I think we're on to the sort of third or fourth Panama hat. But various, uh, we we have our own competitions that we have had trophies for. I don't think we retain any of the original trophies. They've been lost, broken, hidden by people's dogs. Yeah. Martin's showing us. Martin's kept all of his. He's a proud of <laughs> This is a very very contentious trophy. So the trophies we do, you very kindly do the league series for us, very kindly do the FA Cup, and obviously you do the league, and we get the gold and the silver and the bronze medals. We have two other trophies, the Brian Johnson, on which I'm in the final at the minute, the last games, and I beat Kieran in the semi-final, the Brian Johnson. And we do the Tony Gregg, which is a two-legged affair in the second half of the season. This is brand new. This is the dads and lads' cumulative points. <laughs> Guess why I got this? Because me and Kieran got more points than Brian and Ben. And how he right. Right. It, went down, it went down very badly. Very badly indeed. <laughs> This trophy, this trophy, this competition didn't exist until you worked out that you got more points than us. And what? <laughs> it's exactly because it it doesn't exist. Yeah. I've gone through the rules here, and I've, I see reference to the Tony Grigg and the Brian Johnson. I've got no idea what they are, but I see no evidence here of this father son. Yeah, we'll exactly. it, it, it doesn't exist. <laughs> And you can see it still rankles to this day. <laughs> <laughs> at, the mo- at the moment, it is dead close. I think me and Kieran are five points in front of Ben and Brian and a little bit further than Howie and James, but it's, it's extremely close at the minute. But it doesn't exist, you're right. It might exist at the end of this season. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a constructors' championship then within the league. Is That's where we're going with it, yeah? It seemed like a good idea and the fact that we'd won it as well obviously made it a lot better. <laughs> I mean, we say every week that it's taken over people's up, but this really sounds like it has taken over your lives. I don't know how you can get anything else done. I'm not sure about that. I mean, I think the great thing for us, so Martin, Paul and I and a few of the other guys who are, are in the league, we were all at university together. When fantasy football came out in the early 90s, Paul suggested that we all join up in a league as, as a way of keeping in touch. Uh, and I think we would have lost touch with each other, just a simple fact of life, had we not had this sort of touchstone in common. So it's a great way for us to keep in contact with each other on the WhatsApp group that we have, go to games together when the, when the uh, opportunity arises. It's just a fantastic way for us to socialise together and for our kids to begin to enjoy it and for them to uh, meet each other and socialise together as well. So we see it as part of our lives, not taking over our lives. It sounds that way. What a brilliant way to put it. We'll end by looking at the final two um, rules in the rule book. Maybe touch on that as well. So, well, firstly, I think the rule 31 made me laugh. Uh, it's essential that so there is a rules committee to resolve any issues of interpretation of these rules. The committee shall be three in number. It's essential that members thereof be able to meet quickly and in person. Membership shall therefore be confined to persons who live within 10 miles of each other and who are able to transit to each other's respective places of abode without crossing a body of water. Uh, so, yeah, you really have uh, you make sure. I don't know if anyone's kind of like gone with a with a yardstick to make sure that they're within the 10 miles or, I don't know, someone the other side of the River Thames can't. This is pure, unadulterated South London metropolitan elitism. Oh, so you can't even be north of the river? No, no, no. So, you've got, you've got, this you've is you've, a South London league. You've got, to, you've, got to, you've got to cross the Thames. <laughs> Amazing. So, years ago... You know, you cast your mind back to when we used to have to do all our changes in, in writing and things were posted out. There was an accusation by one former member who, who lived outside London 
of metropolitan elitism against those of us who lived in London. So those of us who still live in London wear this with a great pride, great badge of honour. Amazing. And then Rule 32, in addition to the annual auction, the members of the League shall meet in late November slash early December together with an appropriate person or persons of the same or opposite or any sex or alone for ladies' night. For obvious reasons, this will be in London. You've made that obvious. The date thereof shall be arranged in the auction. So you do all come together for ladies' night, even if there are... I mean, are there any other ladies present? Do they even want to turn up to this, or do they just leave you to it? Uh, ladies' night kind of fell by the way a few years ago, uh, so it needs to be... Uh... Yeah, because I didn't want to attend and listen to you all debating rule number <laughs> oh, 17. No, it's very simple. <laughs> they sit at one end of the table, we sit at the other. Yeah. Um, you know, they enjoy each other's company as much as we enjoy our respective company. But COVID kind of... Um, put the death knell on it and we haven't really resurrected it so rule 32 is dormant at the moment chris is it is it spelt correctly though ladies night l-a-d-e-e-z-n-i-t-e in the cool of the gang form of ladies night no that needs that needs amending i think with with brackets Ooh, what a night close brackets <laughs> after this. they were great this is this is before we were married that that's a found that, i think that's a founding father's joke that went over my head yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. men of a certain age <laughs> It used to be, it was, it was, it was great. But like you say, we all started getting married, having kids. And in the end, it kind of just, the auction's enough. <laughs> yeah. the auction's- it's great, like, it's great that you've brought the, your sons into it. And, and we'll end by that. We'll, we'll kind of see how, you know, what it really means to everyone. I can see how much it obviously means to Brian, to Martin, to Paul. Ben and Kieran, are you going to look to continue this tradition? How long will this league last for? And are you going to make sure that it keeps going on for years and years? And, and what does it mean to you to be playing with your with your dads and, and to be playing in this league? Yeah, definitely. I mean, this this last auction was the first one I've had with other sons. So me, Kieran, James, we are we we're all at the pub after. And instead of having to entertain all the, the arguments with the dads to the end, we just walked off by ourselves. So I think we're going to keep adding in sons. Also, I want to come back to rule number 10. I think that's the minimum budget. By the way, they raised that from 35 to 42 after I joined the league. <laughs> Not that you did to, mate. They made me on 35 mil because my dad didn't beat. And then they've raised 7 mil for, for the other joiners. And I've still beat him three seasons in a row. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Kieran's got some opinions on it as well. For sure. It's a great league. Honestly, it's a good question as well. I don't know how... How long will go on for? But I have no reason to stop. I can see this going on for a very, very long time. Some might say it already has. <laughs> it's far too long. Nineteen ninety-one, really? Is it a Tuesday night in the trolley stop? Call me, you, Shab, a couple of Bradford boys. I believe so. Yeah, right from right from the right from the get-go. Who'd have thought we'd be doing this when we were sixty? Yeah, didn't even know what a podcast was, mate. Phones didn't exist then. So over the duration, who's been the most successful manager? Well, Paul's won three times on the spin, haven't you, Paul? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm top at the minute. I'm top at the moment, but I still fancy Paul to go on and win it, to be honest. You know, too many injuries, mate. I'm going to have to go well with this transfer window. One last question for me. Ben, I, th- I think you mentioned earlier on you were, you were a coach of, if you don't mind me saying, Westminster University? Yeah. What sort of inside track do you bring in terms of sort of footy knowledge that sort of, you know, puts you up towards the top of the tree. What's good with playing with a bunch of dads is they like who they know and they know who they know. So when when you see the Euro, the under-21 Euros players like Colwell coming in, I'm sure they haven't heard of Haaland before he came to the Prem. Like, it's quite easy to sneak under with these guys. And uh, I see quite a lot of, like, academy players that are coming through like Reese Nelson or Terry Mitchell, like you kind of know who's about to break and start making some senior appearances. So my first auction, I got Terry Mitchell for minimum bid 0.1 mil with all the dads laughing like he doesn't get the game and then he goes up to start the next 16 games in a row. So it comes with, uh, it comes with his benefits. Oh, it was a mate of yours. Why you did it? You actually included. He was your mate. Alex. I'm not picking people for fun. I'm picking people to win. Well, that includes Palace defenders. Ah, uh, he'll get there. Anderson's having a good season. Well, it's great that you all came on. It was brilliant hearing about the league, reading about the league as well. Um, it would be great to share out these rules to everyone. Maybe I'm sure you'll inspire so many other fantasy leagues out there to pick up some of these rules and to maybe turn themselves closer to the um, the Jeffrey boycott corridor of uncertainty league thanks paul thanks brian thanks martin thanks kieran thanks ben for joining us it's been a pleasure to have you on and to all the listeners we'll see you in part three cheers guys
Cheers. Cheers, guys. Thanks. Okay, Neil, so into part three, where we invite Neil Mansfield into the podcast, but you're here already. And there are a few things to touch on. Um, We're going to start with this, with team of the week. I mean, team of the, I don't know where we are, but you can tell us who was the team of the game week coming up to Boxing Day. Is that right? Who, who, what squad out there has been, has, has benefited in fantasy league land? Yeah, so it's it's up to Boxing Day. Um, so I want to shout out to Rob Brook, who manages uh, the Paragons players, and he scored a, a twenty-seven pointer um, running up to Ooh. the Boxing Day, which is an absolute cracking week. Players um, to pick out from his team: he he has a bit of a Solanke, he has uh, Unkunku, Salah is in there as well, and of course Brennan Johnson. Lots of goals there. But yeah, good, good looking side from sort of fullbacks, Chilwell, Robertson. So a bit of an injury concern, but I think he's probably hanging. Yeah, but not getting any minus points, right? Exactly that. Yeah, so he's hung on to those. Two City defenders, Guardiola and, and Stones. And then the, the rest of the makeup is, is Louise and Mitoma and your lovely favourite player of Trossard as a midfielder. So it's a good side, good solid team. Yeah, so a big shout out there to, to Rob. That's a really good score. Yeah, and Solanke owners will be happy at the moment. I'm sure we mentioned it in part one. Anyone who's got Chris Wood, if there are Chris Wood owners out there, will be very happy with the week gone by as well. We could also discuss manual assists, and there have been a few that have um, that have popped up. I benefited from one the other day that I didn't think was coming, actually, and it was quite a nice little Christmas surprise. Cameron Archer. To be fair, I didn't actually watch a lot of football. I didn't watch any Boxing Day football, so I was kind of like, when it popped up, I was just kind of like doing that thing of like looking at the scores, right? Goals, assists, and that was it. And I've caught up now. But um, it was nice to see that little Christmas treat pop into my team. So thank you, Neil. Uh, but there are some people who won't be happy because they won't have got the manual assists that they asked for. And there's one in particular. We can actually reveal that he comes from my league as well. And the reason I know this is because I got tweeted yesterday. And this tweet as well seems to have been like really popular with all the Twitter bots out there as well. They're sort of like piled in the replies underneath. So it is a controversial one for whatever reason. And of course it's controversial. This is Sam Lepard from the Garrett Lane Wines Fantasy League. He's doing everything in his power, trying to get it mentioned on the podcast, trying to get me to mention it to you. He reckons that Julian Alvarez should pick up an assist for the brilliant Bernardo Silva goal, which finished the game against Everton. Neil, what do you think? No. So for context, I mean, I agree. For context, those who haven't seen it, just go and look at it. This is Jordan Pickford who kicks the ball up. It takes a deflection of Alvarez. It then takes another knockoff on Everton player. And then um, Bernardo Silva, well, just does the rest himself. But there's, there is no way that Alvarez contributed to the goal, right? I mean, that's what an assist is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, I don't think I even need to go into the rules. And I'm sure there will be lots of people cursing me you know, saying Alvarez should absolutely have an assist, but um, absolutely, I think you've explained it perfectly clearly. We don't need to go into it any more than that. I woke up this morning in our WhatsApp group. There were forty messages. I wondered what what had gone on. What's happened this morning? And it was just that this massive debate about whether it should, whether it shouldn't. Obviously, the only person saying it should was Sam. But Sam, you're second. You're ahead of me. You must be worried that um, that I'll be overtaking you soon but you're not going to get this point. Maybe maybe Jesse's one of those people who... Jesse owns Alvarez as well, so maybe Jesse thinks that they should be getting the points there as well. But not this week. And talking of Jesse, we're into the final game week of Europe now, so the Champions League and Europa League fixtures ends on this double game week, which will finish the group stage, which was a collection of six fixtures. I know that the guy in, who's competing in the Champions League for my league is already through to the knockout phase, so he's excited about that. Um, but for those who don't know, perhaps playing in Europe for the first time, what happens now is just like in Europe, the top two go through and what do they go through to? Yeah, so we start a knockout phase. It's, it, it runs almost, I wouldn't say in line with what I would call the old fashioned European Cup, Champions League. Um, and we take a break until I think it's the, around about the 27th of February, where we now have a sort of a knockout uh, game weeks, which start with those top two uh, that have progressed from uh, the league stages and we run that all the way through pretty much to the end of the season. So it's a bit of a break. Uh, it takes a bit of a hiatus up until uh, the end of Feb. 
And there will obviously be one Champions League winner, one Europa League winner. Uh, you interviewed them last season, those who went, who who won those competitions, and we'll be keeping track on on those competitions and see if Jesse see if Jesse can make it through to the knockout phase now, which is kind of looking a bit touch and go at the moment. But we shall see. Indeed, it'd be good to get them onto the pod, so we'll do that. Actually, uh, it's a good nudge for uh, for the end of uh, end of season. Get the winners onto the pod and discuss their tactics to progress through the Europa Cup and the Champions League. Definitely. Um, one brief one we can touch on very quickly as well to sort of uh, bring this uh, part to an end is transfers in and out. Lots of familiar faces being transferred out. Reese James, uh, Sanchez, Embueno, Hope has been, you know, you know, transferred out by an awful lot of players. Jimenez back out again. I don't know whether that's a temporary thing for his, his, his ban, but... Transfers in, a little bit more interesting. Petrovic comes in. Now, you were talking about Luton players earlier on. Ross Barkley. No. Andros Townsend? No. Oh, God, this, we're going to start testing my Luton Town uh, knowledge Well, now. I won't go any further than that. Adebayo. <laughs> Adebayo, of course, yeah. Yeah. Comes in. Yeah. And, but Barkley, um, I mean, people will, I mean, maybe if I keep saying Ross Barkley, they will. But Ross Barkley will surely. I bet, I bet we see a bit of Ross Barkley next week. Very possibly, he's uh, he, he isn't anywhere near the top fifty at the moment, so we'll see where that one goes. But uh, top in, top transferred player in is a certain Crystal Palace player. Well, as a back, I mean, not really back. He wasn't really out for that long. Oh, Mateta, Mateta, yeah, yeah, absolutely in in at number one. By well, him and Adebayo, top transfers by quite quite some distance. Yeah, uh, too excited, Mateta. Anyone who's brought in Mateta, but we, you know, we should see. But then to pick up on an earlier point, in sort of, you know, 9, 10, 11, Tarkowski, Malikenko and Moreno. Oh, of course, yeah. So those Everton defenders we discussed, maybe it's the time to start picking them out. Yeah. And yeah, Moreno is back. But I I almost suggested against Moreno. Yeah, he's did. got a turn of fortune and see if he starts to pick up games. But there'll be a lot of interesting activity now in the coming weeks. Um, with the general transfer window that's coming up as well, there have been a few injuries. I wonder maybe you know, maybe Erling Haaland will become the most transferred out player. I don't think so. Uh, but also with the FA Cup coming up, which we'll touch on, we'll preview, um, I think, next week, that competition. It's an interesting one. You, you mentioned before, it's kind of if you're not doing too well in your league, you could maybe start looking at the reserve goalkeepers, sort of like those squad players who might start to play and given a chance in that competition. And it's a good opportunity to pick up some silverware in your leagues out there with another competition about to come, but maybe you're caught in a transfer battle. You don't, you don't, you don't want to be involved in the FA Cup. You just want to concentrate on staying up, or indeed, uh, your title charge at the very tops of your league. But we'll have a look at that as it comes as it comes up, and 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 yeah, and excited to find out about who the influx of new players. How many players will Chelsea buy? We will have to wait and see. But that's it for this week. Like I said, a couple of games. We'll find out what happens in those this evening. The next time we speak to you, uh, the next game week would have also taken place and we'll be right in the thick of it in January with those transfers, as I've just discussed. Please get in touch with us. Maybe you're really annoyed about that Alvarez manual assist. Maybe uh, you want to recommend a few players to keep hold of, to get rid of, whatever it may be. You can find us on email, podcast at fantasyleague.co.uk, on social media at Fantasy League. Anything you'd like us to discuss, please do let us know. But... It's a thank you to the Jeffrey Boycott Corridor of Uncertainty League. Very impressed I was able to remember that and say it. Uh, for joining us in part two. It's a thank you to Neil for joining us in parts one, two and three. Always a pleasure. And a thank you, of course, to our producer, Simon. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, good luck with the upcoming game. Week. 